1: Welcome in on a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. Hope your weekend was great. A very roasty, toasty weekend here in Utah, and it is not going to slow down anytime soon, especially here along the Wasatch Front. Looking like we might set some record highs. But nonetheless plenty of news to talk about right here on this latest episode of the Locked On Cougars podcast. Today we're going to talk with Mel Olson as promised about the tail end of the Hal Mitchell era the transition to Tommy Hudspeth our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown stops at 1964 and the first season under Coach Hudspeth. What did he bring to Provo? Well we're going to ask a guy who's right there along the front lines with Coach Hudspeth and Mel Olson. You'll hear from him today on the show. We'll also recap what happened over the weekend for BYU Sports in particular, the stellar showing for the BYU women's track team up there in Eugene, Oregon. Anna Camp Bennett with a fantastic showing, winning a national title for the Cougars. And of course, we'll talk about everything else going on in BYU sports. BYU Media Day is this week, folks. Think about that. BYU Football Media Day, just three days away. We we'll get you primed for that as well. Today's show is brought to you in part by a total sponsor of this podcast, Rock Auto. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All departure your car, truck, or SUV. could ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, without further ado, let's have some fun on a Monday. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast for June 14th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah in my day job. But a big thank you for joining us here on your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. And by the way, folks... I can't thank you guys enough. We're having a stellar month. June is typically a very slow time in the calendar for sports and just overall college football and college basketball, but you guys have responded to the call of this podcast. We continue to go daily, Monday through Friday with you guys. A lot of you have wondered, well, what are you guys going to talk about? Well, I think we've done a good job having content for you guys every single day, and you guys have responded. Our download numbers have never been stronger, and a big thank you to all of you who tune in every single day as we talk. About the Cougars getting going here on a Monday. BYU Football Media Day is three days away, folks. And a little birdie over the weekend mentioned to me something that's interesting that I'm expecting. Obviously, Thursday will be full of announcements. I'm sure there'll be something that comes out with regards to scheduling. There always is with BYU, uh, they always seem to have a big name opponent they have on a future schedule they announced during this event. But one thing that's been really a topical, and especially this time of the year, is name, image, and likeness. You probably have heard the term NIL, or name, image, and likeness. It's very much connected with collegiate sports because it is an issue that is going to, need to be addressed head on. There are state laws across this country that go into effect on July 1st, which will allow college athletes, football players, basketball players, every athlete out of University inside those states to benefit from their name, image, or likeness. Essentially, those athletes will be permitted under certain parameters. There'll be certain things they're restricted from doing in terms of the partnerships they can form, but they can endorse products and receive money for endorsing said products. And folks get ready. It's coming to BYU. Now I'm not saying that there's a law on the books in the state of Utah that's going to allow it because there isn't. Uh, and I, everything I've heard is that the state of Utah doesn't necessarily have anybody that's sponsoring legislation for this quite yet. And I'm hopeful that they do sponsor it. But the NCAA is trying to make up ground and get things in place so they that way they can avoid any potential issues with regards to name, image, and likeness when it comes. A, a, to July 1st. Will everything go according to plan and the NCAA have something in place by then? I've got my doubts. But a little birdie over the weekend mentioned to me that BYU is working on their name, image, and likeness uh, plan, proposals, whatever you want to term it. And I would imagine, this is just me speaking, based on what I heard, I would imagine there's an announcement coming out about how BYU is going to go about addressing this when it comes to BYU Football Media Day. So get ready for it, folks. It's something to be interesting to see how BYU attacks us. I know they already have the uh, partnership with Open Doors, which is one of the companies poised to really step in as soon as the floodgates open figuratively on name, image, and likeness. And it sounds like BYU is poised to do something with Open Doors and just with their student athletes overall to be ready if and, well, not if, but when name, image, and likeness comes to the NCAA and student athletes are allowed to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And by the way, I am in in full favor of NIL legislation. The fact that the NCAA dragged their feet and as hard and as long as they did, that's an indictment on them. And I'm actually pretty appreciative of, of the different legislation over the last year plus in the different states has actually forced the NCAA's hand and I'm hopeful that these student athletes can benefit from it. So there you go. A little bit of a tidbit of what to expect this coming Thursday. Like I said, I don't know that that's coming, but based on what I was told with regards to BYU's work in this realm, the NIL Realm. It would imagine, it, not imagine it would make sense to me that Thursday you see an announcement from BYU about that, and obviously BYU football media day has a big time megaphone for the program and for the BYU athletic department as a whole. So I absolutely could see an announcement coming, or at least some what would you say uh, parameters of what they're planning to do once name, image, and likeness is approved and in the bylaws of the NCAA. Alright, coming up here in just a minute, we'll stick with the BYU football theme of things. Talk about 1964 for the BYU football program and get to our featured guest this week on the podcast. Mel Olson, former offensive lineman and linebacker for BYU during the 1960s, went on to have a great coaching career at BYU and probably an even greater pitching career at BYU. We'll get to his thoughts on the end of the Hal Mitchell era, which he came in as a freshman for and then played for Tommy Hudspeth during his varsity days. We'll get to all that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, folks. It is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. NBA playoffs ongoing. The Utah Jazz hoping to get back into the win column tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers. If you want to get in on that action, I'd suggest you do it at BetOnline.ag. They have every line available to you guys, every prop bet for every sport under the sun. Baseball, basketball, NFL, future odds, college football, future odds. No matter what your interest is, Bet Online. Has it for you guys. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their upcoming seasons in regards to the football realm, the NBA playoffs, these NBA teams chasing a championship. You can have a lot of fun betting on it with our friends at Bet Online. Sign up for free on their website or use your mobile device to sign up today as well and receive a 50% welcome bonus upon your first deposit. Yes, you heard that right. Free money courtesy of betonline.ag. All you got to do is when you make that deposit, use the promo code Locked On while you're there, and you'll take advantage of that, get that welcome bonus added to your account. Free money to bet with. It's all courtesy, and take advantage of it now by going to BetOnline, as they are your online sportsbook experts.
2: This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent, that is, until I found... Free dessert for life at homeshef.com slash locked on. That's homeshef.com slash locked on for eighteen free meals and free dessert for life, homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
1: Folks, 1964 for the BYU football program was nothing to write home about if we're being honest, but two notable things took place during this season for the Cougars. And by the way, if you're unaware of what we're doing here, we've been counting down all the different seasons, the 100 seasons that BYU has played as an intercollegiate football program dating all the way back to 1896. And we're counting them all the way down until the start of the 20th, 2021 season in September. Today brings us to 1964, and the two most notable things you need to know about this season was that Tommy Hudspeth comes in as the new head coach of BYU. He is their third head coach in five seasons, I believe the fourth in just over a decade. A lot of turnover at BYU, and I think there are a lot of fans probably during this era who are wondering if this program was ever really going to get off the ground. Well, I can tell you this much, spoiler alert, looking ahead, Tommy Hudspeth did some pretty impressive things for BYU, but we'll talk about those on future podcast episodes. The second thing, and probably the most notable Part about 1964 was the opening of the new Cougar Stadium. Today, you know it as Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Back in 1964, it looked very different from what we see today down there in Provo. It actually only had east and west sideline bleachers, but it did open up with just under 30,000 capacity. Uh, It was a major, major shift for this program. They've been playing at the old Cougar Stadium, the Y Stadium, as many people called it during that era, which is where the Richards building. On the west side of BYU campuses, many of you know the RB stairs. Uh, Yeah, those are legendary. Well, that stadium was built right into that hillside with the bleachers only on one side. They had temporary bleachers they'd bring in for the west stands, but the main stands were on the east side. Well, BYU moved into this new stadium in 1964. And while they didn't christen it with a very successful season, the Cougars overall went 3-6-1. They were 0-4 in the whack. Having that stadium was a massive, massive signal that BYU was in the collegiate football game and they meant to be players in it. We'll talk about how 1965, 66 and on will go over this coming week. But that brings us to a conversation that I promised to you guys on Friday. I had a chance to catch up with an old neighbor of mine, a guy who is a BYU legend, and I mean that in every sense of the word, Mel Olson. Mel played for BYU from 1963 to 19. 1969. He had an LDS mission in there for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but he played for Tommy Hudspeth. He knows Coach Hudspeth. He came in at the tail end of the Hal Mitchell era, obviously, in 1963 as a freshman, played freshman football with Virgil Carter, snapped the ball to Virgil Carter. What more could you want in terms of an interview from a guy who was right there on the front lines during this era of BYU football? Now, a note, I have known Mel Olson essentially my entire life. I'm in my mid-30s now. I met Mel, I believe, when I was five years old. I moved into the Sunset Heights Seventh Ward, which is in southwestern Orem, Utah. and Mel Olson at that time was a leader in the ward. He was a bishop. He actually was the bishop when I was baptized into the LDS faith, funny enough. I have known Mel essentially my entire life, and it was Crazy to talk with him about some of these memories because as you'll hear in a moment, I didn't know much about this from uh brother Olson for many, many years after meeting him. So without further ado, let's bring him in now. Mel Olson, a former BYU linebacker slash offensive lineman, also former BYU coach, and more importantly, in my opinion, BYU teacher at the McKay School of Education has had an impact on many people out there. And I think there are a fair number of you who may know uh him as professor olson mr olson or in my case brother olson mel how are you thanks for taking the time i'm
0: doing great thank you
1: so uh, a little background on this uh i didn't know originally your background with byu until probably 10 years after i met you funny enough
0: (laughs) and that and and that's that's okay (laughs) that's one of those things you know people say hey what do you do for a living you know and, and uh Basically, I'd made the transition. Of course, I'd played, and then I'd coached for a while, and then I went into uh, a faculty position of training coaches. And so, sure. you know, we're during your era, probably I was doing one of those. But, you know, the history was as I i actually was but at BYU and a part of to the program around, obviously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, starting off here, Mel, I, I, obviously I'm bringing you on because this era that we're talking about, and we're doing this 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, as our listeners are well aware at this point, and you started playing for BYU in 1963. You're from Afton, Wyoming, up there in Star Valley, and you came to BYU in 1963, so right at the tail end of Hal Mitchell's tenure, but you ended up playing for most of your varsity experience, playing for Tommy Hudspeth. But can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to BYU originally?
0: Well, basically, you know, we uh, uh, kind of ran a single wing in high school. I was in the small high school up in up in Wyoming and basically uh, recruited by different schools. We had success. We had won two-state championship in a row think, going into my senior year. And so I actually was recruited by LaBelle Edwards. And so he came up. And, and of course, he's always been a, a great recruiter, you know, but mm-hmm. he came up and I felt really uh, positive with him because of course, in my situation as many athletes now, there's a correlation between where you go to school and your church goals and the things you wanted to do. So my goal is I want to play college football and I, I want to go on a church mission. So BYU became a, a definite factor of, of that possibility.
1: So when you got to BYU, obviously the coaching change takes place, but obviously the Hal Mitchell era was an interesting one for BYU. You had Eldon Forti that we talked about, about his exploits becoming the first first team All-American in BYU football history. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, knowing Eldon, uh, if at all, during your time there?
0: It was I was kind of, uh, freshmen were not allowed to play on the varsity during that period of time. And so... Uh, Eldon was actually a senior, you know, when I was being recruited. Uh-huh. So I came down, and I know you talked about that game with Wyoming, that he had, by himself, basically won that game 14-7. to 7. And he was uh, he was a kind of a legend, and they thought the single-week football was going in the right direction. And and he had a great career. He went on and played up in Canada, too. So it was one of those things. But then the freshman just played freshman ball. <laughs> so actually, when we went to the varsity games, you know, we weren't pressed down. We were just like great group students. And so that, that was kind of a highlight. I think you mentioned that Coach Mitchell had got voted uh, Coach of the Year in that conference. But then the next year, we had a really good freshman group. We had Virgo mm-hmm. Carter and Kirk Belcher and, and that group. And we actually went 3-1. and one. We were successful with the varsity at that time. Kind of slid down. <laughs> I think they end up having a to an eight season, you know, that year. And then uh, after their last game, I think they lost to George Washington. Well, then uh, they let they let, uh, Coach Victor Paul. That's when they hired Tommy Hutzpah. And then we were a part of the Tommy Hutzpah era. They kept LaBelle Edwards as the defensive coordinator and, and the person that really ran a lot of the internal happenings. And so with that wide open offense, like Tomby brought to town and Lavelle's defense, so, uh, we got pretty good. We did some good things.
1: Yeah, so I, I want to talk about the Tommy Hudspeth era here in just a moment. One other question I have about kind of that to 1964 transition period is that uh, you mentioned the fact that freshmen still during this era were not allowed to play varsity football, but football was very different back then, in, just in addition to the ineligibility of freshmen. You guys, uh, if I'm not mistaken, only had a certain amount of uh, overall substitutions you guys could make. It was true two-way football still during this era in the 1960s. Am I, am it I was wrong? pretty
0: much, you know, because we actually, uh, you know, the, we were sophomores at that time and we were playing on the varsity and we opened up up at Oregon and the transition was, unless you had a timeout, you know, where everybody could change positions, they had a rule that you could only change two athletes at a time. And so, like, uh, I was playing offensive center and linebacker and Victor Carter was the quarterback and a defensive back. and Finally, you get your whole offense on the Field, or you get your whole defense on the field, but it wasn't like we have now, where you you, know, you had your whole platoon came in. And so there were a few years there that that was that was the rule. That was an NCAA rule. That wasn't just uh, that's the way they had
1: to do it. It's crazy to think about because nowadays you can change out eleven guys and it a snap of a finger, no problem. It's just it's wild to think about With
0: how special teams <laughs> and the whole thing. And of course, we had you know less numbers. You have to have less numbers, and I think that's what the N C A was going through that you didn't have the large squads either because you had some two-way players absolutely
1: okay so let's talk a little bit about tommy hudspeth uh he comes into byu and based on what i understand about coach hudspeth he's from the midwest didn't necessarily have many ties to byu but came in and uh, essentially kind of hit the ground running can you tell us a little bit about him and how what you thought of him as a coach
0: oh he had um he had a great personality and he brought in the the offense type thing. It's going to be wide open. You know, we got to throw the ball. You know, i say throw the ball, you know. And and then our main thing was just to hit and hustle. And basically, uh, he sold the concept that we could win and we could be successful. And so he was able to feed on the fact that we had a really good freshman team, you know, with Richard Carter and Ken O'Born and, and Kurt Belcher and on and on, that we had been successful. But we didn't have enough players during that period of time. And so what Tommy did is they went down to, uh, the Marine base they used to have in the military. They used to be in the military that they would play, you know, Army and Navy and the Marines and all those different things. And our coach had gone down there and, uh, it's seen the Marines win the, the service championship. And actually it went in the, gone in the locker room after <laughs> if anybody's interested in coming up to BYU, we have a possibility we have a scholarship for you. <laughs> and so with the nucleus of our freshman team that we had, with Virgil Carter actually doing this thing in our defense, and, and then the Marines came in, you know, who they were just ready to play football and go to school, and Phil Odle and that group, you know, we became a really, really good football team because we, we kind of fed off each other. So he was able to, to mess that together.
1: So, what led him to think, hey, I should go look at these Marines? Is is it something in his background? Uh, What what was the impetus for doing that?
0: What happened is he had uh, one of his assistant coaches or someone that had worked with him, or at least he knew. He was at Tulsa before, Uh so it was one of those things in the recruiting process. But he had uh, uh, Coach Mullen that had been a graduate assistant with him or worked with him, and then he was working with the Marines, and so... Their input and, and Tumble, he was a member of the church and so that kind of gave him the lead in to go down there and open up the door to see who he might who he might bring up and so that combination with uh you know Virgil carter who ended up being a great quarterback and the marines uh we became a pretty good football team we didn't turn it around the first year But the second year, we we beat Utah. And then the third year, of course, they, they won the conference championship, which had never been done in the history of the school.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk about I want to talk about that, that conference championship here in a moment, but I do want to talk about Virgil Carter for a minute. I think he is one of the quarterbacks in the BYU pantheon that gets a little bit overlooked. We all know that the quarterbacks under Lavelle Edwards uh, were just absolutely legendary for all the stats they put up, but it's my personal opinion, having read a lot about the history of one of that, that Virgil Carter kind of was the first guy to really get things going. What made him so good?
0: Well, he was uh, kind of the Ty Deppmer mold a little bit. You know, he was a really good athlete, and he was really, really intelligent. And so basically, he was able to be in control of the situation and could balance the run game and the passing game and just didn't make very many mental mistakes. And as a as a result, he pulled everything together, both the offense and the defense. But a side note on him, you know, when he graduated, he ended up getting drafted in the pros, and uh, he went back with Cincinnati. And Paul Brown, the legendary Paul Brown, mm-hmm. you know, he actually revolved his offense around Virgil Carter, and that's what as is known now or during that period of time at the West Coast Office. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's... You, you had a really intelligent quarterback, uh-huh. didn't have a great arm, but was very very smart. And if you could give them who you want them to throw to on, on timing, then the thought process is they could be successful. So that there's books that say that the the reason that Paul Brown moved and had the success with, the, with it might have been Cleveland at that time, but was uh, because of Orange Carter. So. I told him he couldn't have been famous though without center because you know if they don't get the ball they're not going to make all America. So,
1: <laughs>
0: Absolutely, Absolutely, I had a selfish, I had a selfie interest in Virgil Carter.
1: <laughs> no doubt about that. So, at 19, <laughs> as you mentioned, 1965 is the first time that BYU wins a conference championship. They win the WAC <clears throat> title with a four and one record. If I'm not
0: mistaken, you were a junior or a
1: sophomore on that
0: team. I was actually a junior, but I had wiped out my knee during spring ball. Okay. So I actually read, I redshirted that year when they, they won the championship, and then I came back and played in in '66, and we were eight and two. We didn't win the championship in '66, but but Wyoming was pretty good during that year too. So anyway, but but it was a great it was a great victory for BYU, and then of course you know our our boosters were in that uh, airplane accident. Mm-hmm. There was just an opportunity to be really kind of depressed, which obviously we were, but it was one of those things too that they had a chance to go out and win a championship and I had to represent a hope that all of these people were hoping for. So anyway it was quite the transition, but the fact that, you know, BYU from two and eight can turn it around and, and win the conference championship. And then I think Tommy's big thing is, is that we kinda of had our way with the youth for a few years. People tend to like that. <laughs>
1: You'd be surprised. Uh, they're on a nine-game <laughs> nine losing streak right now, and there are a lot of cantankerous BYU fans,
0: and you know that as well and, as I do. And, w- and when we were there playing Utah the first year, that been my sophomore year, you know, there's this no big element, you know. Up and he said, I was there the last year we beat Utah, and I go, whoa, we're all 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. We said, what? <laughs> we're not going to wait that long before we beat them again, you know. So, anyway, that was a positive.
1: Absolutely. So, okay, so in uh, so 1964, I want to backtrack just a little bit. I, there's another question I had. They opened what is now known as Lavelle Edwards Stadium in 1964. So, you were part of that team that opened that new stadium. I was. How big? I was. It was
0: pretty amazing. Yeah, was gonna, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was 33,000 that they had uh-huh. then. And they left the track in because we were actually a track school rather than a football school. So, there was a rubberized track in there. And they'd actually oversold. the the tickets they had and so the stadium was full and the track was full and it was pretty amazing it was a a big time move to move from that old stadium over by the field house to, to a brand new football stadium that was That was big
1: time. Yeah. How, like, obviously I think a lot of people in this day and age understand that facilities are king. Uh, We see all these new facilities being built by these powerhouses in football, but did that really, I think, uh, bring, I guess, quote unquote, big time football to Provo, having an actual stadium built from the ground up there where it's now located over there on the North end of campus.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no question that, that they needed to do that as far as the, the facility and, and the things that were necessary to run a big-time program. Uh, they needed that new stadium. So that definitely was a step in the right direction. And then, of course, we started to win in some games and selling out the stadium. And suddenly it became not big enough. But it was uh, it was pretty awesome, you know, that uh, we moved to the original stadium. They only had uh, bleachers up one side of the mm-hmm. hill. Yeah. And then they had bleachers that bring in for the game, so <laughs> it was a major, it was a major move to, to go over there and do that.
1: There you go. Part one of my extended conversation with Mel Olsen. We'll have more from him on how the Tommy Hudspeth era played out, especially with him being a player on the field. We'll have more on that on tomorrow's podcast. as We talk about 1965, but 1964, as we mentioned, was just not a great season for BYU overall. But it set the groundwork for a major, major breakthrough in 1965, and we will touch on that on tomorrow's podcast. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll talk about the rest of what you need to know about BYU. BYU Sports, a big tip of the cap to Anna Camp Bennett from the BYU Women's Track Program. We'll get to all of that and talk about it here in just a minute. Today's show is brought to you, though, by our good friends over at Built Bar. Folks, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious base flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you guys want to get that treat that is healthy for you guys, reach for a Built Bar. And I mean that. I love built bars. I try and eat them as often as I possibly can. I don't eat them necessarily as often as I would like to, but I would encourage you guys to give them a shot. There's something for everyone. They have both nut and non nut flavors. I guarantee you'll be able to find at least two or three flavors, if not more than that, that you will absolutely love. What I love about built bars is they taste legitimately like a candy bar. I have never craved a protein bar until I had a built bar. And I got to say, guys, my background in sports, I've been exposed to essentially every type of protein bar that I could imagine, and I love Built Bars. I 110% endorse these. I would encourage you guys to go to BuiltBar.com and make sure you get your first order placed now. While you're there, by the way, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off that order. Take advantage of it now, guys. Get and join the best tasting protein bars that are the best when it comes to their high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calorie. They're the perfect complement for wherever you might be in your health journey. Whether you're trying to lose or maintain weight, you can indulge in a delicious treat so Take advantage of it now. Locked 15 when you get to BuiltBar.com. You get 15%, f- f- 15% off that first order. Excuse me. But take advantage of it now and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar.
2: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, folks,
1: running low on time on today's show, but I got to give a tip of the cap to Anna Camp Bennett. She already had set the school record in the 1,500-meter run when she qualified for the NCAA championships earlier last week at Hayward Field up there in Oregon. Well, there's really only one thing left for her to do. Why not go and reset that program record and, by the way, along the way, win a national championship? The senior out of Millard High from and Milford, not Milford, Fillmore, Utah, excuse me, Fillmore, Utah, I think population, what, 2,500 people? Those of you who are more familiar with Central Utah probably know more about Fillmore due to their gas stations on your way to Southern Utah or on to Vegas, etc. than anything else. But, an NCAA champion has come from Fillmore, Utah. And I gotta tip my cap to Anna Camp Bennett. She spurred BYU Women's Track Program to their highest finish at the NCAA Championships in many, many years. They finished 10th as a team up there at Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon at the NCAA Championships. Congratulations it's their best finish since 2005. Uh, Courtney Wayman had a fourth place finish in the 3,000-meter steeplechase. She got All-American status. Uh, USC won the team title with 74 points, but a fantastic showing, a top 10 showing for the BYU women's track program. On the men's side of things, the Cougars didn't necessarily have as successful a weekend as they probably would have liked to have had. This was a program at one point this year, if you'll recall, folks, that was ranked in the top five in the country. I believe, Wasn't they a number one for a week? Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm misremembering. But regardless, a fantastic showing for the women's track program and a very solid showing for the men's track team. Do Finished top 20 in both programs. I got to tip my cap to Ed Eyestone and the rest of his assistant coaches. They've done a marvelous job. And with that finish at the NCAA championships, the 10th place finish on the women's side, the 17th place finish on the men's side, the 2020-2021 track and field and BYU athletics season for 2020-2021 has been closed. The book has been closed on it. It's crazy to think it went that quickly, but it was a very busy spring. And now we turn our attention to women's soccer in mid-August, BYU football, the end of August, uh, early September. That's what we have to look forward to, folks. And crazy to think it's it's coming that quickly, but also a little ways off. But looking forward to BYU Football Media Day later this week, kind of the unofficial kickoff to the countdown to football this fall. All right, that is going to do it for this Monday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for your continued support of the podcast. Please follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search us out at LockedOnCougars. My personal Twitter feed if you'd like to weigh in there is Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, feel free to reach out via email locked on BYU at gmail.com is the email address until tomorrow have a great rest of your day this has been the locked on cougars podcast for june 14th happy flag day all we'll talk to you guys tomorrow